0: atmosphere church podcast on behalf of all of us here at atmosphere thank you for downloading or streaming this service we pray that it will touch your heart and change your life in addition to bringing you today's service we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can if you need prayer or just someone to talk with please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church someone from our team will be sure to connect with you We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message.
1: We are doing a series called Christmas at the Movies, and we want to tell the Christmas story through these movies that we are all obsessed with every Christmas, We love our Christmas movies, and I told you last week, Hallmark movies don't count as real Christmas movies. Now, this one is one of my favorites for many reasons, uh, besides Arnold Schwarzenegger. But uh, I I just get it because growing up, there was always a toy that I wanted and that I felt like I needed. And uh, I, I don't know if you had one of those toys growing up that you can remember that you really wanted I remember as a parent being on that end of trying to find the right toy for your kid and our first daughter Kylie was born in 1995 and that next year 1996 there was this doll called Tickle Me Elmo how many remember that craze when it came out and so we were fortunate enough to think ahead and we had heard the hubbub about this doll but it was such a hot-selling toy that kind of the same thing with Turbo Man happened with Tickle Me Elmo. I was reading this from a People Magazine article. It said, the infamous Tickle Me Elmo shopping frenzy of 1996 involved stampedes, scalpers, arrests, and multiple injuries. Rosie O'Donnell helped kick off Elmo Madness by featuring the Sesame Street toy on her talk show in October. By Black Friday, 1996, the electric stuff. Puppet or Muppet was sold out in stores across the country and chaos ensued whenever they were restocked. Walmart employee Robert Waller told people about being caught in a stampede when a store received a late night shipment of the coveted gift. He says, quote, I was pulled under, trampled, the crotch was yanked out of my brand new jeans, end quote. He said He said, I suffered a pulled hamstring, injury to my back, jaw, and knee, and a broken rib and a concussion. He says, I was kicked with a white Adidas before I became unconscious. All for a tickle me elmo doll. Here's another one. How many of you remember in the 1980s the Cabbage Patch Kids? So some of you woke up Christmas morning to one, and I don't even know why these dolls were popular. They're really ugly. But there was this big phenomenon. There were stampedes that happened. And, and uh, uh, toy historians believe it was the adoption certificate you would get when you would get one of these Cabbage Patch Kids. But I don't know what it was uh, for your generation or for you growing up. Uh, but this one, the, the hot toy this year, just came out this week. And if you have uh, downloaded the app Disney Plus, you will know... Uh, There's a new show called The Mandalorian, and it's a Star Wars series, and there's a new creature called Baby Yoda. So Amazon just released Baby Yoda that's not even gonna be ready for Christmas. It's gonna be ready in May, and they have already sold so many pre-orders of Baby Yoda. It's number one on their toy list, Baby Yoda. Don't you just want him? (laughs) He's really cute. But I'm not here. I just want to tell you, I'm not here. We're not going to bash consumerism at Christmas and tell you you can't go out and buy gifts for your kids. I believe gift giving and Christmas go hand in hand, and it's went hand in hand since the very beginning of Christmas. Christmas. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn open to Matthew chapter 2. And and let me pray this. Father, I pray that you would meet us here this morning and speak to us, God, about this message of Christmas and the power of giving our gifts to you and what Christmas is all about. We thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Now, gift-giving is kind of the the subject matter of today's talk, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. And I don't know if you've had a really serious conversation with your family. I know we have. Uh, Over the last several years, it just seems like we love to give gifts for our kids. And we also like having money in our bank account. Uh, And so, Tara and I had to, you know, set up a budget. We had to talk this out, and even like extended family, it just became—it was becoming ridiculous. Like how much Christmas was costing, and and we just needed to have these really uh, sobering conversations to say, man, let's not get so crazy and stressed out and in debt that we lose sight of the real reason for the season. And I was reading an article about one particular family in the UK, and this woman, this is true, this woman loved giving gifts to her kids, and this last year, she went out and she topped her old record, which was 83 gifts per kid, uh, and she, she went to 96 presents per kid. I have a picture of her Christmas tree. This is a, this is a real family in the UK. You can't even see the Christmas tree. Now, I don't know about you and your family, but I would say this is excess. <laughs> and the, the reason the woman posted it is she was tired of other people shaming her, and she said, what I do on, on my Christmas is my business and my family's business, which I totally understand. But when you, when you can't see the Christmas tree, you, you gotta really reassess maybe how much you should be getting your kids. I, I know my kids, like, even though my kids enjoy opening gifts, by like gift number five or six, there's like, you know, they're, they're already kind of in the mode of like trying to figure out, especially when they were little with the toys and, and, and getting so excited about the toys that you, you kind of start losing touch with the significance of the gifts after gift five or six. There was a, a, uh, a blog I was reading. I thought this was good, especially if you have little ones and you wanna be more mindful, and you don't wanna maybe get carried away in the excess of the consumerism part of Christmas, I love this little idea, and I thought it was worth kind of throwing out there to you guys as you're probably right in the middle of purchasing gifts, and maybe it's a good opportunity for you guys to circle up as a family and talk about this, but this is one idea, you don't have to do it, I'm not telling you you have to, But just, this is an idea, suggestion. Four gifts of Christmas, and I thought this was good. You buy something you want, or something your child wants, something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. I like that. Something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. I I just like that. But regardless of kind of how many gifts you get, I believe we're probably all in alignment to say we love to give away gifts and receive gifts at Christmas. It's just part uh, of our tradition. It's, it's part of the season of giving. We like to do that. And, and I would suggest that it is a good idea to give gifts, especially if you're married. It's a really good idea to give gifts to your spouse, even if your spouse says they don't want a gift. It, it's still a good idea to give a gift. Let, let me just give you a horror story from your pastor. OK so, so in 1992, Tara and I were married, and we were married on December 12th. matter of fact, it's our 27-year anniversary on Thursday. It's happy anniversary to us. right? So, so we get married, and of course, you know, you, you, you have all kinds of gifts that, that you get for your wedding, and, and so we went on our honeymoon cruise, and, and, and so we got back. it was like right there at Christmas time. And so I'm thinking like, wow, it's going to be stressful to go out and shop. So we had this, we had this deal. At least I thought it was a deal. Uh, we weren't going to buy each other gifts. And so we had this clear conversation. We're not going to get each other gifts. We have all of these other gifts. And so fast forward, it's Christmas Eve. We're staying at our parents' house. It's our first Christmas together as a married couple and we're you know exchanging gifts with her parents and her brother and it's just beautiful moment and then we've unwrapped all of the gifts and then a box is given to me and it says from Tara to Jim I was like what is this she says it's a gift I go I know we had this conversation though and then it wasn't just one gift she had got me three gifts I'm thinking, I am in trouble. Now, I don't want to be put on blast in front of her parents or whatever. They didn't know about this deal. I didn't want to look bad, So I just I, I thought of something really quick. Like, uh, uh, I'm saving your gift for Christmas morning. I'm more of a Christmas morning guy, so I'm going to save your gifts. And, I, and that's all I could come up with, but it, it bought me some time. <laughs> so I went to... To sleep that night, I should say, I went to bed thinking, like, what am I going to do? I mean, this is early 90s. Things are still closed on Christmas Eve and, and Christmas morning. So I know. I'm like, what am I going to do? Everything's closed down. And then I remembered that down the street from her parents' house was an AM-PM. And so, I mean, I'm grabbing at straws. I'm like, I don't I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to sneak out of the house. I'm going to go to AMPM and see what I can find. And so here I go. I wake up at four in the morning. I go into AMPM and I just start grabbing anything that looked anything like a Christmas gift. I grab, you know, the little set thing that you have in your car. I got the dice. I got the, I, I, you know, I, I got all kinds of things. Little snacks and, and I put it all in a bag and try to make it look like a Christmas stocking. And then I put it all out there so when she woke up, she would see that she at least had this stocking full of, full of all kinds of goodies. And her dad heard me get up, so the jig was up, man. He 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 knew and she saw it and we had a good laugh about it. But man, I, I just I'm not a terrible husband, all right? Like before that, like when we were dating, I gave her like 10 gifts. I like went into excess, but I will never forget that. And I learned a lesson as a newlywed: never listen to your wife. at least when it comes to her agreement about buying gifts for one another. But I think that giving gifts is biblical. And it goes back to the story of the Magi bringing gifts to Jesus in Matthew chapter two. And I know you guys turn there, but let's, let's read this and unpack it a little bit. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the East arrived in Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him." When Herod the King heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Now it's noteworthy to point out that most nativity sets have three wise men, and, and we're kind of accustomed to the tradition that there are three but actual scholarly work on this believes that there was a whole entourage of people that came, and that's why the whole city was taken back by this entourage of these magi that were coming into the city full of all kinds of people, almost like a, a big caravan of people. And it says that um, he inquired of them where the Messiah uh, was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When they have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Remember, we talked about that last week and the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Now the Magi are feeling it. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now, the first thing I wanna point out is that the tradition is the wise men were there by Jesus' side at the manger, And that's not real biblical. What we see here is that there was some time that has passed and that Joseph and Mary kind of settled themselves in Bethlehem after the birth of Jesus. And the wise men or the magi are coming to his house, some Bible scholars believe, two years after he was born. So he's like a toddler. So if some of you have a nativity scene in your front yard, I just want to tell you, you shouldn't put the wise men with it because you'll be unbiblical, all right? If you really want to be biblical, take the wise men away and then sometime around July or August, bring out the wise men and then, and then create a little toddler child and put it out there, you know, and, and then, you know, you'll be more biblical and you'll be the talk of the neighborhood, right? I just, I'm just saying, uh, we want to be real biblical about this, this picture. But Jesus was more than likely a toddler. And these magi probably saw the star. They studied astronomy and astrology. They were were connected, most Bible scholars believe, to the magi that the prophet Daniel was connected with in the Old Testament. See, when he was taken away into uh, the the time that that Israel and Judah were taken uh, captive by the Persians, or even the Babylonians, then the Persians, that Daniel really found favor with the persian uh, empire and and all of the 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 up you know kind of the the people in power and so he Found his way to be the chief guy of all the Magi. So, in this history that Daniel was there in Persia, he probably trained a lot of guys, and the tradition probably passed down from generation to generation. So, 500 years later, these Magi are like, Remember all of these scrolls and things that we've been studying that were left by Daniel? Look, all of these things are in alignment, and then we see the star. That is the promised star that is telling us that the Messiah, the King of of the world is here, and he's going to be our redeemer. He's going to be our savior. And that set him out on this journey. And we don't know much about the Magi other than the fact that they were from the east. And then they came, and they visited Jesus as a child, and they presented these gifts to them. Now, I really geeked out this week looking at the gifts that they brought to Jesus. I mean, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, somebody once said that, that's how we know they were wise men and not wise women because wise women would have been there on time because they would have asked for directions. And they would have went to Target and got some practical gifts like diapers, formula, and baby wipes, all right? But in this whole idea of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, there, there is some really deep, truth in this and we need to unpack this a little bit because the gold frankincense and myrrh there was there was a kingly connection and there was a priestly connection connected to these three things that these men brought in in temple worship they had this altar of incense that was wood but it was covered in complete gold and burned on top of the altar of incense was frankincense But when they would do temple worship, they would bring in anointing oil that had a lot of different substances in it, but the primary substance in the anointing oil was myrrh. And so in this whole scene of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you're getting a a priestly picture of what they think of this child, that there there is a priestly Realm to this child that we want to recognize and we want to honor. But there's also a a kingly kind of uh, representation within these gifts. And the prophet Isaiah, check this out. This is interesting. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before this thing ever happens, he prophesies this word in Isaiah 60, talking about the soon coming king. He says, a multitude of camels will cover you the young camels of midian and ephah all those from sheba will come they will bring gold and frankincense and all will bear good news of the praises of the lord let me just tell you what we learn from the wise men and their gifts write this down number 1 the greatest gift you can bring is yourself that's the greatest gift you can bring check out what it says again in verse 11 it says they came to the house Where the child was, and saw him with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. So, before they presented the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they presented themselves. They said, We are fully 100% surrendered and submitted to Christ, the child. I'm telling you, the best Christmas gift you could ever present to God is yourself fully surrendered. And see, I know a lot of people that believe in Jesus but have stopped short of fully surrendering their lives to his lordship and to his rulership in their life. How do you know that Jesus really has taken the place as ruler over over your life? It's really simple for me because I've been following him for many, many years. It's really simple. That there are gonna be moments that you will be able to go back to and know that he's told you to abstain from something, to deny yourself something, or to resist something that is capable of pulling you in a bad direction for your life. See, rulership means that you're submitting to his ways even when it conflicts with your ways. And as a follower of Jesus, Making him Lord of your life, making him king of your life, that means that you're fully surrendered. And even though you have an impulse that wants to take you a certain way, because you know that your king doesn't want you to go that way. And he's told you and he's warned you that if you go this way, these things will happen. Even though you want to go that way, you submit to his lordship. You submit to his kingship and say, even though everything inside of me, all my desires want to go this way. But because, Lord, you are saying no, you are saying resist, you are saying abstain, you are saying deny yourself, I'm going to do that. Because I know you have my best interest in mind. So those impulses that you have aren't always a good thing for your life. And God, in your submission to him, will help you live out the life that God's called you to live by simply abstaining, resisting, and denying. Does that make sense? So, so look at that for your life and ask yourself a question. How am I submitting to Jesus as king of my life? Just just ask that question. Here's the second thing. Is giving is an essential part of your relationship with God? It's an essential part. And and why is it such an essential part? Because Jesus offers the greatest gift exchange we've ever been offered as humans. Think about John 3, 16, the most famous Bible passage in our Bibles. It says, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. He gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life life. So these magi are coming in a recognition that God has come to this world as a present to the world. So it's only natural when somebody gives you something, you give it back. You give them something back. You, you, you find something inside to give because that's what giving does. It promotes more giving. And here's the reasons we love to give back to God. Number one, if you're writing notes, it's, it's an expression of worship. Giving is an expression of worship. See, a lot of times we do a bad job of branding certain things. Like we, we say, we're going to worship God. And what we mean is we're going to stand up, we're going to sing songs, and we're going to raise our hands, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to do music. And that is a form of worship, but that is not all that worship is. Worship is not singing. Worship is not just you know, listening to music, worship is ascribing worth to God. You ascribe worth to God. Now, we do this in several ways, but I like to say, what is the most valuable things that we have in our life? What, what are the things that are the most valued things that we have in our life? And I like to break them down into three categories, your time, your talent, and your treasure. And, and I have these presents here this morning, and, and I just kind of want to Kind of demonstrate to you guys what I'm talking about this morning. The first one is our time. So so we come with the gift of our time. And how many know time is a valuable commodity for our lives? How many of you have ever said, maybe out loud or even under your breath, I wish there was one more hour in the day? How many have ever said that? Come on. Am I the only okay? There's a couple of you. So time is a commodity. And a lot of times what happens is we get so busy in our lives that God is really not getting any of our time. And if he does get any of our time, it's the leftovers. How many times have maybe you had the best intentions to to really give God time, but you wind up in bed and you're completely just exhausted from a crazy day and you just kind of like pray and say, God, I'm just so sorry, I'm just so tired, and you want to pray, but have you ever been in prayer and you fell asleep while you're praying? Or am I the only one that's ever done that, all right? See, here's here's one thing I've learned, is that to give God your time means you have to intentionally schedule time to give to God. You, You have to be intentional about it. You know, a lot of us get this because we work in jobs that require us to meet with clients. And we know that, hey, everybody's schedule's crazy, so we have to coordinate schedules and and meet for people, meet certain times. And so we understand that. See, what if we treated our time with God like an appointment with a very important client? That we're like, man, we got an important client we got to meet with. Like, like we schedule everything around this important client. Let me tell you, there is no more important being in your life than God but yet we look at our time and our time doesn't reflect that for a lot of us and my encouragement to you as we talk about this as we're talking about bringing something to God I want to challenge you through this message bring your time to God give your time to God and here's a baby step for you to step in and give God more of your time set your alarm wake up a little early tomorrow and, and, and have nothing planned except to open your Bible. Maybe put on some worship music on, on your phone or on, on your computer and just sit there, maybe with the notepad, and just say, God, I'm just here and I just want to meet with you. I just want to spend time with you. And there are things that God wants to download into your life in that time that you have with him that are actually going to help you deal with the circumstances and troubles that you are facing right now. Some of us, we're wanting to be rescued from our trouble. God has the solution to get you out of the trouble, but you're not spending time with him to give the time for him to download to you the solution for your trouble. That's why we call it quiet time or devotion. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. One person gets me, all right. <laughs> but besides this, I mean, we're, we're setting time aside this morning. We're meeting together, that's great. Life groups are another great way, circling up with other people, saying, man, I, I want to be intentional, and, and I want to see my faith grow and become more like Jesus. The way you're going to become more like Jesus is spending more time with Jesus, because you will become who you hang out with the most. And the more time you're spending with Jesus, the more time you're giving to God, the better off you're going to be. But here, here's the kicker. It's, it's your worship. It, it's your worship to God. You're ascribing worth to God through your time. And then here's what I call the talents, right? Uh, here's a broken trophy. But, um, <laughs> but there, there is something in your life that you have, a skill set, an ability, a talent something maybe that you went to school and you were trained to do. There, there's maybe a natural thing that you were just born natural, creative, and, and you just do it really, really well. Well, see, that's a valuable thing for your life. And maybe nobody has ever challenged you to worship God with that talent before me. But I, I wanna give you a challenge. You, you have something, a craft, a skill, a hobby, a trade, that maybe you've never stopped to think about how, how could I worship God with this thing? I have this talent. And maybe for some of you, you're really super creative. Man, there's so many things we could be doing as a, as a church family if some of you creatives would take that talent and bring it before God and say, God, I want to offer you this talent. I mean, I would love a couple more photographers. Some of you are super good at photography. One of the ways that we're finding people connecting with our church is through social media. So a couple of other photographers that would come up and say, I would love to take some pictures of church things and and, and allow people to be able to connect better with our church family here. That'd be great. But that's just one idea, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for our gatherings. You could give your talent, you could give your skill set to help somebody else that may not be able to afford that. Maybe you're a plumber, and you know you know how to fix people's plumbing, and you're like, "This is my trade. You know, I went to school. I'm certified plumber." Then you know, there's maybe a single mom here that's that's living on an income that's barely able to survive raising kids, and that has bad plumbing at her house. I mean, you could give that talent to God, and by helping a single mom with their plumbing, you're actually giving worship back to. God hello somebody it's not that difficult to worship God with your talents but it's something of value that you can take time and give back to God and and here's the last one and and I call this the treasure and of course I have a little box and it's got it's got some coins in it right this is this is treasure this is this is the financial arm of who we are as people And, and I talk to more people that struggle in the area of finances and it's just so hard. And I get it. Living here now, I get it. It's really expensive to live here. And everyone's like, that's such an affluent area. I go, it's not affluent. It's just expensive. That's a... Everyone's broke. <laughs> Everyone in Vegas, they're like, you live in an affluent area. I go, no, we live in an expensive area. That's all. So, but this is a major part of our lives. Money. And we worship God by how we trust God with this. Say, God, you've given us resources. You've given us a job that that gives us paychecks and you've given us all of these other means. And God, we're we're acknowledging that this is something of great value for our life that we want to be able to give back to you as a way and as a form of worship. But That's the treasure part. Now, as you think about your worship, that I just want to challenge you. Think about how you can do better at ascribing more to God in each one of those three categories. I love that Matthew chapter 13 talks about the value of the kingdom. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Why? Because he recognized the value. When you recognize the value of what God is offering for your life, there should be nothing that you keep from him because you're like, wow, God, you've given me everything, and the least I can do is give you everything in my life back. It's all yours because I see the great value that you have. Number two is giving grows your faith. Giving grows your faith. When you give to God, he loves to give back. And let me tell you a truth that maybe nobody's ever told you. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive him. I don't care what you bring. He's gonna outdo you. He's gonna bring more back. Now, that's not why we give, but that is a principle of kingdom of God economics, is you cannot give him. And Malachi, there's this strange promise that is given for people that trust God with 10% of their income being given as worship back to the kingdom of God. And it's found in, in verse 10 and 11. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. How many would love some blessings that overflowed in your life? Everybody, you like, yeah, bring it, bring it, pastor. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy The fruits on the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. See, some of you are struggling with trusting God for the troubles of your life. You're waiting on breakthroughs for your life, but somehow you can't seem to pull up the faith that you need that is going to get you through the trouble that you're seeing. And what God is saying here is like, here, take this area of your life And use it as a baby step so that you can start growing in your faith for those big troubles that you're going to face later on in your life. Because God will use these other God stories in the areas of your finances to help build your faith up. So when the storms are raging in your life, you will know that the same God that took care of you yesterday is the same God that is going to take care of you today. That's what God stories are all about. And as a pastor, I have seen more God stories attached to people trusting God with the area of their finances and tithing than any other area of the supernatural in my experience as a pastor. Now, I believe it's because it's, it's a great little introductory baby step to people because money is such a big deal. And God says, hey, I, I want to show you that I can be trusted, not just with your money, but more importantly, with every area of your life. So, so trust me in this and test me on this, and I want to meet your needs. And I have more God stories than when it comes to my finances than probably any other area of my life. I just had one a couple weeks ago. I just told you it's expensive to live, here, especially coming from Vegas and, and Bakersfield. Th- those are cheaper areas to live at. So we come here, it's just expensive, and and we're looking at our money, and I'm like, man, this is kind of tough, and, and and we're making it work. But then you get that bill in the mail that you weren't expecting. You should have expected but then you kind of forgot about it. How many, how many are tracking with me on that? And then And then, It's car registration. It's due in November. 250 bucks. I'm like, I forgot about this. And I'm like, Lord, I trust you. I, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. I don't know if we're going to have to park our car for a little bit, but I trust you with this. I'm not even kidding you. Two days after I get that bill from the DMV, I get a check in the mail from Josiah's School from Kowloon for $250 saying you overpaid for his tuition. I said, what? This is definitely a miracle. Colleges normally take money from you. They don't give you money. And it was, I mean, the exact amount to cover the registration. Come on. But see, that's just one of many stories that God has cultivated in your pastor's life, and he wants to cultivate it in your life as well. He wants to grow you in your faith. Number three is giving advances God's kingdom. Giving advances God's kingdom. You know, a lot of Bible scholars believe that a side benefit of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh was that it was a resource that Joseph and Mary were able to use to move them from Bethlehem to Egypt so that they could be protected. So, so those gifts that the Magi gave them were able to fund their travel. Think about a young couple. They're teenagers, really, you know, are not established yet. I remember when we were newlyweds, we were scrounging in the couch cushions just for some change to go to Taco Bell. I mean, that's the life of newlyweds. And, and here, Joseph and Mary, they're like, hey, you need to go to eat, you need to get away. That became a resource to advance the kingdom of God. Your gift actually is a vehicle that God uses to advance the kingdom of God, here locally and even globally. Check out what happened in Philippians chapter four. Paul is in prison and he's, and he's thanking the Philippians. He says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once. When I was in need. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. Isn't that interesting? Remember the frankincense? They are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I look at this, and I think, wow. I kind of get it, just thinking of our economy. Like, how many of you have an Apple product? You have an iPhone, you have an iPad, you maybe have a MacBook. You know, Steve Jobs started in his garage making computers. I don't know if you know his story. But now, Apple has, like, their own Pentagon up in the Silicon Valley, (laughs) I don't know if you've seen pictures of it. It's like its own city. How do you think they went from the garage into building this Apple City in the Silicon Valley? Because people like us helped fund it. How is the kingdom of God going to advance in a broken, ungodly world? By people like you and I funding it. Paul says we were able to do so many things for God's kingdom because you guys gave a gift that was a fragrant Offering to God. I'm telling you as your pastor, I came here with so much vision of how we could reach the unreached people here. I didn't come to plant a church so somebody that goes to church A can come to our church or church B and come to our church. I didn't come here to reach the churched people and pull them out of the churches that they're a part of. God sent us here to reach the unreached. God, God has given us ideas of ways that we can leave the walls of the church and go out there and, and pull people in that have never stepped foot in church before. Our worship team, come on up. And as they're coming up, I, I just gotta, I, I gotta land this thought with you. Doing ministry like this takes money. i just give you an example. I, I had a crazy idea uh, of going and putting some commercials on country radio station, not Christian radio. I want country radio. I wanna reach people And invite them to church that maybe have never been invited to church. You should be inviting them to church. But I'm like, hey, our people aren't, I I just want, maybe a commercial. And I say, how much for a commercial if we want it? Well, we we will give you some commercials, you know, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. I was like, well, you know, the the mainstream radio stations are not feeling generous with the church. They're in it for their profit. But see, if we all gave, there would be so many ways that we could reach the unreached in our area if we just took our little bit and put it together. It would make a lot, and we would be able to go further, faster if we brought our gifts to God for his kingdom. Giving advances the kingdom. And here's the fourth thing. Write this down. Giving opens doors for ministry. Proverbs 19 verse, or 18, verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You will have more opportunity to speak the gospel to people that come in your path if you have a generous heart towards them. If if you're ready to give to them, they're going to be more open to hear what you have to say. Haven't you ever heard people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? See, years ago, I I I started this tradition with my kids that Christmas morning wasn't just about opening gifts, and we do believe in that. I wanted to to broaden their understanding of what Christmas was all about. And so we would take these projects, like go to convalescent homes and wrap up like just socks and tissues, and just, just start visiting people from room to room. And they loved it. They would open their gifts, it was beautiful. And then our last Christmas in Vegas, I had this idea to go to Walmart and buy all these little plush blankets for like seven bucks and I wrapped them all up and we loaded them up in the car. It's kind of dangerous out there in the streets but I my whole mission was I wanted my kids to be involved to pray for us to find people walking the streets of Las Vegas on Christmas morning knowing that probably they're walking the streets because they have no family to go to. So we found all kinds of random people and we would roll up and I would get out of the car and I'd go and say hey Merry Christmas here's your Christmas gift and they would open it and see a blanket get teary eyed one guy went into his tent my family was like oh dad's going to be killed on Christmas morning and I just went and hung out with this guy for five minutes I said can I pray for you he goes I would love that two other guys on another corner I stopped and said I got Christmas present for both of you guys he goes wait a minute aren't you the pastor of the church right down on Sahara Avenue I go I am He goes, you really do this. And he said the S word. He goes, you really do this S. (laughs) And I go, yeah, I guess that's that's what I do. It's not what I just, I don't just preach this. It's my life. Let me tell you something. You want more open doors for God to use you to have miracles come through your life. Become a more generous person. And it doesn't take a lot. It could be a $7 blanket from Walmart that can completely change somebody's life.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you, and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.